This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And, as you may have noticed, we've done a bit of moving the furniture around here on the podcast. We've had a bit of a restyle to the format. And we thought it would be fun to have the occasional episode dedicated entirely to you, our lovely listeners, in our style surgery. So we get so many juicy questions from you lovely lovely lot, we just thought, well, let's get stuck in. So for this episode, we are donning our paint-flecked white coats and grabbing our decorating stethoscopes for the video. I should have thought of that. And <laughs> this metaphor's a disaster. This metaphor's a disaster. Who writes this stuff? Where are my props? <laughs> Paint flecked. I've got my supper uh, flecked jumper <laughs> and uh, my decorating tape measure. There we go. There's a metaphor. And we are going to dive in to some questions from you. But actually not before a quick news flash from the Great Indoors podcast Facebook group. So listener Catherine James says, oh, consider me influenced. Listen to the podcast and promptly ordered the Mylan's colour of the year to paint my hallway. Brackets, that was, if you remember, the FT006, very Barbie pink, neon pink. And Catherine carries on, no samples, no consultation with the family. (laughs) It's arriving soon and I'm excited and a bit nervous. So today I've been sugar soaping my walls and imagining my family's reaction. Haven't felt so interior inspired for ages. And if we hate it, I can always paint over it. Brilliant. I mean, that's the ultimate influence. No tester pot, no paint chart. <laughs> she's just How she move. She's just taken on a podcast recommendation, and that is a hot. Remember, it's a hot, juicy magenta fuchsia lipstick pink. I cannot wait to see that Catherine roll down your hallway. I think your family's going to love it. I'm not so sure about that, but I think you will love it. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're at it, let's not forget another comment from Sue Fox on our brand new behind-the-scenes edit on YouTube. You can find it over on my YouTube channel. Uh, we've popped a link in the show notes. Sue has views on the design crime we discussed in a recent episode, the one about the kitchen island. We talked about why design guru Michelle Gunderhin thinks they are a bit of a crime and Sue agrees. She says, really enjoyed seeing this. Thanks, Sue. But I have to say, I'm with Michelle. 
on Hayton Kitchen Islands and those hideous bar stools. How sad would your life have to be that you have to pretend to be in a pub to enjoy being at home? Big table and proper chairs for me every time. <laughs> it's a fair point. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> right, let's get into this style surgery then. Who have we got first? Well, we've got a lovely voice note that's been sent by Eve from Ratland. Hi, Kate and Sophie. I've got a style question for you. We have moved into a new house with incredible views over fields and onto a hill. And that means that when we're looking out of the window, we can predominantly see green which is amazing, we're not complaining. But what colours should we consider for our rooms that will make the views pop? We are already considering anthracite windows or window frames uh, to act as a, as a frame of the view. I was thinking about even a green kitchen before we moved in, and now I've come, I thought, I think that's just going to be too much green. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what we could do to make our views really sing within the house so it's interesting that Eve talked about a green kitchen because I've got a green kitchen and I did do it green for a reason because I really wanted it to connect with the garden outside our kitchen's a bit small a bit dark a bit unassuming and like Eve it's all happening outside the windows it's just gorgeous out there so I wanted to bring some of that magic inside so for anybody who's seen pictures of my kitchen all over my Instagram feed I've got dark hunter's green units and a botanical wallpaper and it really makes that connection I think to the outside so I think that is one way of tackling it literally make the inside of your home feel as glorious by being inspired by the flora and fauna and color palette that's outside I would take that point absolutely I think dark windows is key whether they're dark anthracite or dark green or whatever but that that is absolutely on the money in terms of instincts because that will draw the eye now it's interesting because I featured a house on the blog the other day on a Friday house hunter post and it was a house in Scotland set in the middle of these rolling hills incredible views and the owners had taken the outside palette and very much brought it in, but more muted. So their colour scheme inside was a very soft, kind of pale, straw yellow, watery winter sun, should we go with that? A very soft blue, so not that kind of hard summer sky, but also Scotland, rain, so sort of rain-washed pale blue, and a very pale green. And it was really interesting because... I feel like Sophie would hate that because it was too muted. But if you look at the pictures, it, the rooms were kind of really restful in these soft muted colours. And then your eye went to the window outside where actually on many days, the outside view was more vibrant. And it was a really nice way of linking it if you wanted to stick to those colour palettes. And they had lots of different, you know, brown furniture, of course, that's tree trunks. So it was quite a literal interpretation, but it made you see it. And particularly there was one picture which perhaps they had taken in the summer where there was a flower bed beyond the window where the greens and the pink flowers were, were quite vibrant against the softer greens and pinks in the bedroom. And I thought it was really clever if literal. So, I mean, in many ways, it's perhaps hard to go wrong and the key is, is down to the window frames. And you've done it quite literally with the green and the floral. Yeah, I mean, I've punched the colour because the room doesn't have the best windows for a view. So we've got those typical Victorian cottage windows with lots of crossbars. In my mum's annex, however, when we came to design that, that's very modern and has really huge floor-to-ceiling picture windows. So actually... 
going with your theory of quite a subdued, neutral colour palette has worked there. And it just lets the view do the job. I mean, your interiors don't have to work that hard because actually the view in my mum's annex being a modern building, I mean, it's like a whole wall is the view. So you can't really compete with that. So I think if you've got huge windows and amazing view, your interior colour scheme pains me to say it, needs to take a bit of a back seat. If, like me, you've got quite small cottagey windows, I think you can go a little bit stronger and really bring in, pump in the pattern and the saturated colour. I tell you, here's a question which I think you'll have views on. You know, there's a lot of botanical wallpaper about at the moment and there's a lot of tropical botanical designs. And You know, we have spoken about linking your interior to your exterior. That's not to say because I live in London that I have to paint my walls grey. You know, you can see I'm in my new house. It's grey. It's cardboard boxes. That's not working for me. But should you have a wallpaper or a colour scheme that is kind of English country, if that's your views, or if your views are English country and cottage gardens and roses and rolling hills, will it jar if you stick monkeys and parrots all over your wallpaper and that's where I couldn't decide because there's reminding yourself of holidays and happy places through your interiors but there's also relating it to the outside. Personally because I live in rural Sussex surrounded by quintessential woodland British flowers I've used traditional country chinches and florals in my home. I think it would look crazy if there were suddenly palm trees and cabanas and stuff. It just doesn't sit. But I think somehow those types of wallpapers work really well in a townhouse. You know, maybe like a Victorian townhouse that sometimes got a palm tree in the garden. You quite often see that in our cities, don't you? So I think it kind of works better there. So I do think you do need to have a little bit of a relationship with the landscape outside especially if it's a very significant one and if you live in a rural setting whether it's coastal or woodland or on the moors or in open fields yeah you know you does have to have a bit of relationship with what's going on outside and this is the point Eve that doesn't necessarily restrict you to you know green blue and yellow because that's the sun the sky and the grass you know you could pick pick a particular day when the landscape colors speak to you so to come back to to the seasonal idea you know you might want to go more with the autumnal palette or the summer palette or the one that makes you happy it will always chime so you don't have to be completely literal about it and then there are other things you know like maybe you have plants on your windowsill so you've got plants inside which are drawing your eyes to the plants outside so that also you can do it with the object just picking up on the color palette story just to turn it all on its head the other thing you can do is use a bit of color theory so if you really want to make the outside pop eve that's what i really heard that you want the the outdoor view to be the hero in the room the main focal point the main feature you said it's very green uh using the theory of color you know the opposite of that is your sort of pinks and reds maybe use those on the inside and you've got that real high contrast and the green will look greener if you've got pinks and reds on the inside so you could consider doing that too oh i'd love to see that maybe maybe go with um with the with the mylan's bright pink maybe that could be for you or maybe don't maybe go with some faded <laughs> Some faded vintage roses. You were getting all a bit uh, tasteful and autumnal on me, Kate. I thought, oh, God, this needs shaking up. So, yeah, that's what I do. Go hot pink and your green fields will pop beautifully. Right. 
What's next on the style surgery? This is from Hillary. Hi, ladies. Love your fun approach to interiors and it's made me rethink mine. I am now more lighthearted in my approach and I am learning to play with it again. That's what we like to hear. However, my partner and I have just moved to a 1990s estate style property which needs updating. Room sizes and layout are fine, but the decor is more care home than carefree. As was usual of the period, the ceilings have a light Artex style finish and there is nothing wrong with them. There's no asbestos here. There is now a small battle raging between all our families to repaint or replaster. Cost is a factor, but is it worth it? I can live with it as I feel flat ceilings over large areas can be a little dull. Our large living room has no central light and we don't want to install one. My partner is not keen to keep the Artex and my daughters hate it. We intend to stay in the house for some time and I wonder if, like chintz, fashions will change and in five years' time, everyone will be artexing the bland space and the money would be better spent on other updates. Let me know your thoughts on this design dilemma. Well, I have to say, Q Lucy is now barking at the door to be let out. She's so outraged. <laughs> <laughs> because we've just spent the last five years getting rid of our text. Let me, I've got to have to let her out. Honestly, she's very cross, Hillary. She's very cross. Hold on, I'll be back. Shall I speak while you let her out? Because otherwise she'll cut me off and I've got something to say. I hear you on the cost. Having just moved into a house full of design crimes, you've got to slightly pick where you spend the money. In our last house, we had wood chip wallpaper on the ceiling in our bedroom. It was going to cost a huge amount to get rid of because we knew if we pulled at it, the whole lot would come down and a new ceiling's very expensive. As those who are watching us on the YouTube channel will see, I wear glasses. The mad husband wears glasses. We decided to spend the money elsewhere because when we were lying in bed, we couldn't see the horrible wood chip wallpaper on the ceiling. I missed the start of that because I was letting the dog out. But my uh, <laughs> my short answer is our text isn't coming back, Hillary. Plaster over it. And if you think your ceilings are boring, you need some other stuff in your house. You should not be sitting in your room staring at the ceilings. So I'm afraid, Hillary, I am going to side with your family and indeed your daughter. Get that Artex replastered. It's worth every penny. There you go. I think we'll run away quickly before she starts throwing <laughs> things at us. <laughs> Okay, next up, we're going to hear from Hannah Stevens, who says, Hello and help. We started our home renovation years ago, and I've been obsessing over interiors ever since. Oh, you're in the right club, Hannah. <laughs> I have redecorated my house several times over, however, only in my head, as we have only been focusing on the structural work all this time. Now that we are about to start decorating, I'm a bit daunted by the fact that I have a whole house blank canvas. <laughs> I know, literally me and Kate are rubbing our hands together. She goes on to say, it's not that I don't know what I like because there are lots of things I like. I like light and bright. I like the spring colour palette, yellows, blues, pink with black and brass detailing. I like uncluttered and sleek because I have a very messy family. But I also like it to be cosy with fur throws, etc. I don't like the coldness and starkness of industrial style. Oh, she's really thought this out, hasn't she, Hannah Stevens? She's gone through all the trends. Uh, but, she says, I am drawn to the black frames and wooden furniture. I also like Lux. How do I focus and refine my style? 
<laughs> I worry about making a start because whatever I decide will then dictate the style for the rest of the house. Can I have, she says, a cosy, colourful, luxurious, sleek, minimal and contemporary home? Thank you, Hannah Stevens. <laughs> oh, Hannah! This Hannah's basically gone into the sweet shop and she wants all the sweeties from all the sweetie jars. She wants pick and mix, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I'm going to start off by referring you back to the interview we did with Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen a couple of weeks ago, because one of his key points was, you know, one we've made before, your home should tell your story. It's about you and about what you like and filling it with things you love. So I think as long as Hannah loves everything and brings everything into her house with intent because she loves it, it will hang together because it will be a piece of her and her family. I think where people get into trouble is when they have a long wish list like Hannah's got and they think, oh, but I wanted a bit of industrial. So I'll just, I, I don't know if I love that lamp, but I'll just bring that in and put it next to that because then I've ticked that box. If you want this many elements in your home, I think you've got to be quite rigorous with yourself on the editing process and only bring in things you really love. And then I think it will hang together. But be very careful not to bring in a piece just because you think that's ticking that style box. OK, I think you could be ticking Hannah into a right hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Hannah should be let loose with a credit card buying everything she just happens to love. I think this could be a disaster. <laughs> I'd say Hannah, hold fire. I mean, I really relate to Hannah because I am like Hannah. I want all the things, all the colours, all at once, and I love stuff. But there is a little bit of theory to making this work. And I think you have to, yeah, I mean, Kate said talked about curating, but you do need a little bit of discipline as well. And I think this is where it helps to go and follow a bit of a design process. And I am going to get you straight back to basics with a little bit of mood boarding. There's a lot of ideas swimming around your head, Hannah. And I'm wondering whether a bit of a Pinterest board and then a curated mood board would help focus some of these ideas. So you can see them jostling next to each other visually before you end up sticking them in your room. Get your materials list, a metallic, a wood and then some core colours. For me, for example, I always have a bit of pink and I always have a bit of cobalt blue in every room and there's usually a little pop of yellow as well. For Kate, well, you can talk about your core colour palette, Kate. Well, I, I don't know if I've got one now. I'm in a new house. Brown, in it? Chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate. Can I just interject? The dog's just come back in. She's found a bone from the garden and she's chewing it under the table. I'm assuming you can hear it. Not at the moment, but we'll know what's going on when she does. You can hear gnawing. It's Lucy with the bone that she's just dug up from the garden. Sorry, carry on. Very important point for Hannah. Yeah, mine is, mine is Think Neapolitan ice cream. So it's versions of pink, versions of chocolate and versions of kind of cream slash milk with bits of green. And, and as Sophie makes that point... You have that core palette and you may have three basic colours, but don't forget you can vary them up and down the shade version. So a dark version and a light version or a strong version and a paler version. And you can do, you know, the walls in one room and just have a vase in another and a picture with those colours in in another. So you have huge variation, even though you might be starting with what looks like a fairly restricted colour palette. Obviously, Sophie would then expand that to seven, nine, 13, 24 colours. I probably don't go much further than three up and down the tonal from dark to light and then, you know, the odd sort of splash of a disruptor colour. So I think for you, a mood board is key. Oh, Hannah, 
After all that, I need a little lie down. Here's an ad break. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. And now we have a question from Greg. Hello, ladies. Hoping you're both well. I'm in a bit of a tricky spot with my wife and I need your help. My question relates to record players slash record storage. I'm a massive fan of playing records. However, we are really struggling with making the turntable, amplifier, speakers, etc. look remotely appealing. We've moved into a beautiful home and have very old parquet herringbone floors, which we adore. My wife, and secretly I, feel that the massive equipment detracts from the look and feel of the house. Looking online for inspiration has been challenging. A few brilliant sources of custom-made storage cost a small fortune and the remainder feel very shabby. The question is, do I hide it? Do I go bonkers and draw the eye to it? Does the turntable need to go into storage? I never miss a show and I love it. The wife, however, doesn't listen to any podcasts at all, so I may unapologetically claim any ideas as my own to earn some much-needed husband points. (laughs) Best wishes to you both, Greg. (laughs) Right, Greg. Secret conversation. Let's hope she's not listening in. Oh, I love this. Because this is like a real-life problem, isn't it? You know, Greg... And and I don't know whether it's just you, Greg, or your wife as well. I've got a real passion for records. And I think they can look really appealing in an interior, actually. I have seen people do this really nicely. But it is a like you've identified, it's a lot of stuff. It's a turntable. It's a significant amount of storage for records. When I've seen it done successfully in people's homes, it's when people have kind of embraced the slight vintage vibe of it. Because let's be honest, Greg, listening to records is a pretty vintage thing to do. You also mention your love of the oak parquet herringbone floors. If you produce storage or housing for this using old stuff, using either reclaimed 
boards, scaffold boards or reclaimed bits of timber or going to reclamation sites and then bespoke it up. I mean, I don't know how handy you are, Greg, with a drill, but it could be something that an upcycler or a local carpenter could help you with to put in the shelving and the cupboards and just sort of like modify a piece of old furniture to house all this stuff. I think it'd look really cool. Couple of things there. I know what you mean by expensive storage. There's a company called USM, which makes metal furniture, which you can customise to the right size. And it's sort of fixed together with a ball and joints. Very clever. It's pricey, but you can always add to it. So if you're going the investment route and that, there are pictures on their website of that on a sort of herringbone floor and that sort of juxtaposition of something very modern on something very old works really well. My sons, who are 19 and 21, have increasingly large vinyl collections and they just have them in kind of Ikea boxes, cubes, which can stack and you can paint them or wallpaper them or cover them in a way that fits with the vintage look. But the other thing they do, which which I quite like, we used to go to a, to a cafe all the time and it had on the wall two little stands and one was record currently playing and one was record currently not playing. And it would be kind of like the joke record from, you know, years ago. And what one of my sons did in his old bedroom, which had a, a fireplace in it and a mantelpiece, he built a sort of shelf with slots in it and he would slot the records facing forward so that they became a sort of display and it was a constantly rotating display of his favourite covers. But it's interesting because the vinyl record covers when I was a teenager was such a thing. They were such a beautiful thing and when everything went online, we kind of lost that. Maybe you just have one or two records on display and the rest of them are stacked in whatever your storage box is, but maybe celebrate that, you know, have have one of those shelves, a long shelf that you can prop them up on facing outwards and rotate them a bit. And that way you might keep your decor fresh. You'll remember things that you'd forgotten you wanted to play. I think you've got to have, you know, own it, have fun with it. Embrace it. Do you know, um, you can also get, I've used them for projects in the past, you can get them online, frames for the wall, picture frames, but they're designed to put record sleeves in. So that's another way of showing off some of your favourite vinyl art as well, if you want something that's a bit more permanent. So there we go, Greg. I mean, I think, I hope the wife is ready for this, but basically you've got the green light to turn your front room into a record shop to cover the uh, walls with your vinyl. Don't hide it away. Celebrate it. I think it's super cool. So next question comes in from Christy. She says, hi, I'm a new listener to the podcast and I love it. Thank you, she says. I've been trying to catch up on your past episodes, but I haven't come across my question yet. So here goes. I would like to paint my bedroom it has a picture rail all around it what are your thoughts on where to paint the color should it be only below the picture rail with white above or should I paint the whole wall including the picture rail the same color if it makes a difference I'm planning to paint it a very light pink to be precise lick 01 well it does depend on the color but as a rule of thumb I would go up to and include the picture rail in your base color and I would put the skirting boards in that as well. That's going to make the wall look taller. The picture rail and below is all in that colour. And then we're coming back to my white paint issue again. Over the picture rail at the top and over the ceiling needs to be the same colour because that will blur the edges of the ceiling. However, doesn't have to be white. So you need to pick a colour that tones with the white or maybe a soft white 
The other way you could do it is you could have the lighter pink on the walls up to the picture rail and then a darker pink on the ceiling or vice versa so that you're keeping it kind of warm and cocooning rather than feeling you have to do the whole thing in exactly the same colour. You could also do the walls up to and over the picture rail and then do a fabulous wallpaper above the picture rail and on the ceiling. There we go. Okay, on with the next. Hi, Lucy. She's got a bone back. She's she's managed to get out the kitchen. She's back round my doors <laughs> with with the bone. I knew she was going to bark. <laughs> this next question, Lucy, if you're sitting comfortably, is from Natasha. What are your thoughts about painting furniture the same colour as walls? Are there any rules about when to do this and when not? Does it depend on the style of the room, the ceiling height, etc.? What if the walls are an intense colour? Better to match, tone or contrast? I want to paint my cottage dining room in orange Aurora by Little Green. Wow. Which will look amazing in this east-facing room with an inglenook fireplace and wooden beams, etc. But I have a tall open dresser that I love, although it dominates the room, which has low ceilings. I hope you can help. Thank you, Natasha. For anybody who doesn't know what Orange Aurora is by Little Green, it is a bright, sherbety, fruity, opal fruit orange. It is gorgeous. So here's the deal with um, painting furniture, or whether it's freestanding furniture or fitted furniture. If you paint it in the same colour as the walls, it will help it disappear and it will help the room feel larger. So quite often, fitted wardrobes, fitted bookcases sometimes benefit from being painted, if not a matching colour, tonally similar, maybe take the colour of tone up or tone down. And it just means that they're not popping out. So it's a great idea if you want your storage to disappear. The other thing to do, of course, is to paint your furniture in a contrasting colour and then really make it a focal point, maybe make it stand out. And typically this would be something like a dresser because a dresser is a lovely opportunity to display some favourite bits and bobs. So quite often we would pick that out in a brighter or darker or contrasting colour. Now I can see in your little cottage you're worried about your dresser popping out and dominating because it's tall and you've got these low beams but I don't feel for a traditional piece like a dresser it would be right to match it in with the walls so I'd maybe think of something that's different colour but more subtle so this could be a tone of orange maybe like a more of a conquer brown or something like that maybe take it darker I was going to say that orange is lovely with a deep chocolatey rich brown and that was going to be my <laughs> moment you know thunder rolling off and stolen I've got nothing more to say oh so anyway good luck with that Natasha it sounds like it's gonna look gorgeous so to finish off we've had this question from Emily Hi ladies, I have a question for you on hallways. Sorry to hear the bike in the background. Love to listen to you whilst I'm working out. Work the body and the brain. I would love to know about flooring and how to create a larger space. I've got quite a peculiar project underway and looking at flooring throughout from the kitchen through the hallway, the link and then into the living room. However, we've got underfloor heating being green and all of that and um, tiles seem to be the most effective way for the heat source. Um, however, equally it can be rather cold, but good to keep clean, got dogs, kids, etc. So just trying to think of ways to have it in the living room without making it feel, you know, 
cold uh, would you suggest breaking it up having different flooring in each room would welcome your thoughts oh i love that emily i love the fact that she's all out of breath because she's just in her workout listening to a podcast and i think this is a great question because i think anybody who's renovating and i don't know if kate you're in a position of changing your floors i know we had to do that when we moved in it's a really big decision and the biggest part of advice is you should have one flooring throughout your ground floor it creates flow it helps a space feel bigger you know that's kind of like the standard reply would you agree with that Kate? well not entirely of course i think it slightly depends on the layout of your house and the views so if you've got a hall which is leading as most Victorian terraces do, and I don't think Emily said what kind of house she lived in, but you often come in the front door, there's a long hall which leads through perhaps to a view of a kitchen at the back. I'm all in favour then of keeping it all in one so that you're elongating it and drawing the view. But I think if your sitting room comes off to the side, you can change it in there because it's a different mood. And the hall is your sort of practical place. The kitchen is a practical place. Your sitting room, you want to change it and and, and be more relaxed. That said, in the house we've just moved into, weirdly, the door to the sitting room is on an angle so the sitting room and the hall feel much more as one and as I sit now in my sitting room with the uh, rather horrible engineered orange flooring looking out to the black and white tiles and then up to the grey stair carpet that is a hot mess of different floors so we're trying to bring it all together and have in this instance the hall and the sitting room the same flooring because they sort of feel more as one and then you go downstairs to the kitchen where the flooring will change. So I think you need to kind of walk around Emily for a minute and consider your views and your transition points because that then gives you a sense of, of what is linking and where you might want to keep it the same or where you might want to change it. So that'd be the first thing. And Emily, I've got three or four different floorings on my ground floor so I have not followed the Google advice of one flooring throughout I've got an old property I think everything Kate you're saying is absolutely right it's all to do with aspect and and looking through and if there's any obvious breaking points so I think it, it you've got to look at your own property but for me what I actually chose to do was in our hallway go for a heavily colorful pattern tile as this kind of like central point and then all my rooms kind of go off from that we're in a freestanding property not a terrace so it's a different floor plan so um, I've got tiles in the hallway then you move into my office which is a wood floor which I fail your concerns with too many tiles would feel cold so I've got wood in there terracotta tiles in the kitchen and then wood in the living room and then terracotta tiles again as you move through into the conservatory however what I would say as a fellow underfloor heating owner is tiles are amazing with underfloor heating they feel incredible and I just love paddling around on my hallway and in my kitchen and I get a bit disappointed when it comes to going into the living room because it is not as efficient. We were told it was you lose about 15% efficacy with a wood floor as you do with tiles. I don't know, it feels like a lot more. Our living room with the wood floor takes a lot longer to warm up. So 
I'm a fan of the tiles with underfloor heating. I think, yeah, they're cool in summer, but that's quite nice, isn't it? And then when it's cold in the winter, the thing with underfloor heating is you always just have it on quite a low setting. It's it's different to radiators where you boost it in the morning, turn it off and then boost it in the evening. You have more of a trickle heat. So um, I am a fan of tiles. And I think there are so many fantastic designs on offer then you could have some real fun with it. I think it's difficult, though, in this country, you know, I'm fully on board when you see pictures of houses in France, Spain and Italy, and they've got tiled or terracotta sitting rooms. You know, those are warmer countries. It works well with tiles. I think it can be tricky in this country where the winters feel longer and the skies feel greyer to have tiles in your reception rooms, your dining room or your sitting room. So I would be tempted I think either you need to have more of a pattern tile which might just bring a bit more personality to it or tiles that look like wood so that you've got a softer feel to it but it's still conducting the heat but I am going to beg you I'm going to beg you Emily do not fill your downstairs with big slabs of grey tiles that look like road <laughs> just whatever you do Please don't do that. And then just to finish on, rugs, yes, absolutely. Rugs on underfloor heating and tiled floors. Lots of rugs. It works really well. But you made a point, Sophie, actually, and I think that's a key point to remake here. There's something about the thickness of the rug and the underfloor heating. I think you don't want to go for really densely woven wool rugs because they can actually overheat, apparently, as well. And they block the heat. Otherwise, sort of carpet thickness rugs are fine. But it does help. It does make it softer underfoot. You wouldn't. I wouldn't want to even be walking on a stone floor in my living room. That would just be horrible. But uh, in kitchens and hallways, offices, playrooms, they're great. So, well, that was fun. That was our first ever special style surgery episode. And if you have your own style surgery questions, do send us an email and preferably a voice note if you can to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. And of course, you can come and find us for more chat on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. Or on our blogs, I'm madaboutthehouse.com and she is sophierobinson.co.uk. But for now, thanks to our producers, Kate Taylor and Sarah Cadden of Feast Collective. And thanks so much to you for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Come on then, you can come in, but without, without the bone. No, leave the bone. Leave the bone. Hi, Lucy. In you come. There's a good girl.